Thank you, Pastor Keith. You know, I, I feel privileged to be a part of such a wonderful church family. And, and, you know, we've got a lot of things going on at the church. You know, if, if you know it or not, I should say, we own a coffee shop. Now, now, you know what's amazing about that? There's a little hoo-hoo there, but I don't know what that was. But let, let me tell you this, that yesterday, again, I was reminded of God's just amazing uh, vision for our church. Uh, we had an art and craft kind of show, if you've ever been to one of those, and they, they invited several uh, vendors, and there was about 20-some vendors at the, at the coffee shop sitting up, and, and they all had colorful uh, little tents and stuff to display their, their product, and you know, at the first season of our coffee shop, we're not even letting it out that that a church is a part of that coffee shop. So they think it's just an owner or a, a Starbucks or something like that that's going on. And uh, I, I kind of got there a little bit late and I was going around to the different booths and uh, just kind of seeing what they had and, and the excitement on their face that they got a privilege to bring their crafts and arts and different things out and they, they had it all set up real nice. You, you could tell there was expectation. And I, I, I went into this one little booth, and the lady there was uh, pretty excited, and she uh, had, had some candles and some things for sale. And, and I said, oh, yeah, the, the candles smell great. And we kind of started a conversation. And, and, and I said, you know, I, I'm here. I, I'm part of the coffee shop. I'm, I'm with Axiom Coffee. She went, we love Axiom. It's the rage. I mean, people are talking about it all over. So again, I was like, there's nothing like somebody saying you're ugly, you kind of want to get away from them, but if they say you're pretty, boy, you just kind of want to come on. And so she she began to talk about the coffee shop and how good the coffee is. And, and she bought coffee to support the cause that what we do is we support a, a missions organization in Honduras. And so she had read about that. And she goes, you know, I, I just all about Axiom. And then she kind of looked one way and looked at it. The word is that a church owns it. <laughs> so I could not stop the smile on my face. And she goes, what's up? And I said, well, I go to that church. And she said, do you own the church? I said, no. And sometimes we lose perspective of how somebody sees church today. And it was so refreshing to know that we have an, uh, an outreach every pretty much day of the week. It, it's not open on Sunday, but we open the church on Sunday. And, and it's just amazing how people are getting touched. And as the time goes by and they know how much we care, you watch. People will then be interested in what we know and what God is doing in our life. There's all kinds of obstacles in doing the will of God in our life. But let me tell you, we serve a good God. And I don't know, and I can't get to know you fast enough, because I want to, but to know all the things that maybe have been spoken over your life, and maybe what you think God is, or who He is, or what He's done. But let me tell you, we serve a loving Father. And I want you to know that this morning. And I believe that He has you here on purpose. And, and I want to just give Him 
the first part of this message, let's pray. Father, thank You for everything that You've done in our lives as individuals and everything that You've done and are doing. God, as a church. And Father, if, if You'll speak, God, our desire is to hear Your voice. And Father, to do things that we were before not able to do or see. But God, because You've spoken in our life and we listen, God, we got breakthroughs in areas. God, we become better than really we are because of who You are in our life. In Your name we pray. Amen. You know, I heard a story that I want to share with you. Uh, and I heard it this week about a missionary. And the missionary had, had just kind of become part of a mission on an island. And it was kind of out in the middle of the ocean and uh, it, it was kind of going to be a, a tough mission to kind of reach the people of that area. And soon after he began to, to minister, one of the people that was in that area uh, came up to him and gave him a gift, a, a shell. And, and he, he said, I want to give you this. This is from my heart. And the missionary got it and he thought, well, that's, that's pretty unusual. You know, it's kind of designed a little way, and that's kind of cool. But as he did, as sometimes as we do, we take a gift that has been given to us, and we think, you know, that, that's pretty nice, and we set it maybe on the mantle, or we set it on a counter table or something, and then eventually it moves to a drawer, and if we're not careful, it'll move to an attic or a, a basement, or it, it'll move somewhere else until... Finally, if we're not careful, if we don't understand the value of it, it'll begin to be put in a yard sale. And so the missionary, he, he put it on the counter. And one day, a, a man came over to his house and he said, Wow! And he took the shell and he goes, Where did you get this? And the, the minister, the missionary said, Well, uh, a man that I'm beginning to minister with, uh, he gave me that. And the the guest said, are, are you kidding me? He says, do you know what that is? He says, that is one of the rarest shells on this island. He says, not too many people ever, ever see one of those shells. And the reason why is because anybody that gets one of these shells realizes that you have to go on a long walk across the island and it's in a remote area where not a lot of people can get to. I don't even know if you can get to it by boat. He said what they have to do is the, the, the people, the natives of this island will walk and walk for miles and miles and they'll go up over that big hill over there and it's so thick that it takes them literally hours just to go through the thicket and they get all scratched up. Their feet get blisters and cut because they go over a part of the journey just to get to this place where those shells develop. He says that you've got to walk over kind of a lava rock. And since a lot of them are walking barefoot, that they'll get their feet cut up. And he says not only do they know that how much walk that that will be and all the trials that they go through to get to it, but they realize it's not just in getting the shell, but it's that they have to even come back. And they go through that. This morning, the title of my message is The Long Walk. And as we talk this morning about Jesus and how He went on a long walk, we're going to see parallels and crossovers of our life with His 
And, and sometimes we see Jesus' life and, and we see that the long, hard walk that He went on to the cross. But I want you to see some other things that are going to be real obvious this morning in our lives. I, I want you to look at this verse, and it's found in the first few verses of the book of Hebrews. And the Bible says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, now when, when I read that, the, the passage that jumps out, it says, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. The joy set before it's almost like a dinner plate set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What, what is that? The joy set before him was his assignment that he chose to take as he came to earth to die on the cross for you and me, that we might have our sins forgiven and that we could spend eternity with him. The joy set before Him. You, you know that a lot of times we get into that point of, of thinking, does God really love us? Let me remind you again, for the joy set before Him. With a joyful heart, He said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk by faith. You know, He encourages us to walk by faith. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing something that I'm not real for sure that those people on earth are going to do back. They're not going to, I don't know for sure if they're going to receive me into their life. I'm not real for sure that they're going to be able to accept me as Lord and Savior. But by faith, faith is being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. In acting in faith, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to put my hope that those wonderful people that I created are going to love me back. The joy set before Him. He endured the cross. You know, a lot of times when we think about His assignment, His gift, we, we begin to think about the crucifixion and, and actually the nails in His hands and the nails in His feet, the spear stab in His side, and the, the crown of thorns. But I just want you to understand that I don't know if that was the most severe pain that He suffered. I think that a lot of times the most pain that we endure is people pain. Can I get it? Amen from someone. When you think about all the pain that he went through from the time that he entered his ministry until the crucifixion, you begin to put together all the pain that he suffered like you and I sometimes will suffer physical pain, but it's not as severe as people pain. You know, have you ever noticed that ladies will Go to bat if a man has, you know, a heart attack and goes through all this stuff. Men will be like, man, it was rough, I tell you. It, but a woman will go, I went through three childbirths. But what's amazing is they'll do it again. Have you ever got two ladies that are kind of battling back and forth? 19 hours, 19 hours. I wish I had 19 hours of labor. I dilated to 20. I dilated to 40. They go back and forth. And it, it's so amazing. Even my wife, Gwen, that is luckily today in the nursery helping out, but she has had four C-sections because she loved having children. 
endured birth pains. We endure pain, a physical pain. Some people have gone through surgeries and, and chemotherapy, and, and it's, it, it's not easy. It's not, it's not light that I'm trying to make of it today, but it, it's the people pain. You talk to people that have gone through divorce or maybe a betrayal in their friendship with somebody else and and there's something that sometimes people will never let that go and it, it begins to eat on them. And, and you'll see people go through all their life dwelling on people pain. Let me tell you, and I think we all can agree that life is tough. But the walk is part of the gift. The, the long, hard walk is the gift. The missionary said to the visitor, he said, you know what, I, I, I didn't value the gift like I should have. He says, you know what, I can't wait to see that gentleman again, the gift giver. And when I see him again, I'm going to really tell him how much I value his gift to me. And it wasn't long until the, the gift giver, the, the man showed back up and he goes, the missionary went to him and said, man, I, I never knew, I never knew what it took to get the gift. What it took for you to go to get the shell and to bring it to me. The, the, the gift giver, the guy says, you know what? You'll understand. Because people from around here understand that when you get one of these, the long walk goes with the gift. This morning, when we begin to think, and I, I just want to bring out, here's Jesus and he's, he's going to the cross. He knows He's going to. That's His assignment. And He sees... All these things that are happening, John the Baptist, his cousin, is put to death. And the Bible says that he gets in a boat to go to the other side to be with his disciples alone. But when he gets there, the crowd that was with him had followed him around the lake to meet him on the other side. Here they are again. The crowd. And there was something about Jesus that could see that crowd because a lot of times a pastor can see the crowd and think of an event that's happening. And, and sometimes, just I'll be honest with you, sometimes a crowd, every word has an emotion, can be a problem. I look at the crowd and I think, how are they going to be fed? Or, you know, where, where's the bathrooms? Is there enough bathrooms? And if I'm not careful, I can become critical about where, where everything's going and how it's all going to come together. But there was something about Jesus that could see a crowd. He could be in the middle of a crowd and still have compassion for the individual. When I think about all the things that Jesus did, and, and he's going through a crowd and, and a lady touches him that has an illness in her body, She's been bleeding for 10 years. There's very little hope until Jesus comes on the scene. And the Bible says that she begins to push her way through the crowd just to touch the hem of His garment. And Jesus, in the middle of the crowd, everything's loud. They're going down the street. And He goes, oh, stop. He said, somebody touch me. In the middle of all this chaos, all the crowd, all the mob, He still focuses on the individual and talks to this lady and says, by your faith you are healed. The crowd. And on one situation or one, one circumstance, he's coming down and there's a parade, a, a procession, and all these people are following him. And a, and a little guy climbs a tree, Zacchaeus. Even though he's in the middle of all this humanity, he still can focus on the individual's need. And he goes over to the tree 
that he's climbed up on, Zacchaeus. And he says, come on, I want to have lunch with you today. And the Bible says his whole identity and his whole future is changed. Zacchaeus has changed because Jesus had focused on the individual. When you think about the feeding of the 5,000 and all these people, sometimes we think there's only 5,000 people there, but it says 5,000 men besides women and children. Some think that it could have been anywhere from anywhere from ten to 20,000 people that were fed. But when you think about the whole group, and Jesus is focusing that each one of those people are hungry. He had compassion for the individual. When I look at that, I think, wow, those are the high times. Those are the woo, high fives and the hooping and the hollering. And... But during those times, people are loving him as long as he is what they think he should be. See, see when he fed the 5,000, the Bible said that Jesus went to a remote area because he knew that they were going to come and try to make him king. We know who you are, Jesus. You're going to be a great general and lead us against the Romans and then we'll make you king and you're going to be all that and we're going to have all this. But then in other times, they saw him as a problem. There's times where they said that he was a blasphemer. Some called him a Sabbath breaker. You know what's amazing is here he is and he's healing a, a, a person, but he healed him on the Sabbath and the people that were against him said, look at him, he's doing it on the Sabbath. He's a no good. In one place they called him a hypocrite. In another place they even called him demon possessed. They were deceived. And I've often wondered, you know, sometimes we want to make Jesus God and he, he could go through those things different than what we can. But let me tell you, in all his humanity right here, he's feeling what you and I feel. Even though they are deceived, he realizes that he has to come up with a, a characteristic. And, and I want you to write this down. Jesus had the ability to have a thick skin but at the same time, keep a soft heart. Here's these leaders and they were deceived. In the Bible it says, you mean He has deceived you also? This, these, these are the mob. This is the religious leaders and they're talking to the, the crowd and they say, do you mean He has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in Him? No! But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. There was something about the Pharisees. And any time that they wanted to really influence somebody, he's cursed. They're cursed. Everybody has a curse. You know, they're just pointing at everybody. And in this situation, here, here they say, Jesus is cursed, and it would be better that he dies than the judgment comes on the whole people, and everybody suffers. But here's what's amazing about God. And again, as an example to you and me, I want you to see what He does. The Bible says that even in the point of being crucified on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them. What? In other words, they're deceived. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. 
Matter of fact, Paul in Corinthians says if they would have actually knew what they were doing, they would have never done it. They were deceived. I want you to learn something. And as Christians, that I hope you realize if you're a believer and you've made Jesus Lord of your life, really what you're saying is He's in control of your life. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God. Because the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, can speak to you through the Word of God and tell you and help you with direction. I want to I want to show you one of those places in the book of John, in, in the first part of it, verse fourteen, it describes Jesus this way. Listen to this: Jesus came to us, and he was full of grace and truth. Can everybody say those two words with me? Grace and truth. Say it again: grace and truth. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a real strong opinion about something? And you realized you fought for it, you fought for it, fought for it, and then you realized you were wrong? Come on. Any clerics in here? Alright. You know, and you go to preaching and you get to using your hands and body language. I tell you, that's right. What's wrong? The Bible says that Jesus was... It's an amazing characteristics to be full of truth and grace. If Jesus ever asks you a question and you begin to argue, you just you just stop. So he had the truth, but when people would come at him, again, thick skin, soft heart, he would say, God, forgive them. They don't know the truth. You realize, don't you, that you're a villain in the eyes of some people. And if you looked at those people, or if you looked at yourself like they look at you, you'd say, I'm a villain. Through their perspective, through their lenses. Huh? You're a villain to your husband's ex-wife. You're a villain to your boss that you left that job to go get a better job. And when they look at you, they're looking at a deceived heart. It's not who you are. You, you realize that. But there, there's something about going through life and working with people that are deceived. And even if it's just their opinion, it's their opinion. It's their reality. They're looking through lenses that are not correct. This last week, I, I went to get my eyes checked and to buy some glasses. And we'll just be continued on that part right there but but I, I i got in that dark room you know and the eye doctor you know <laughs> she puts that over your eye and goes read that and you go read what anybody and, and then they do the other eye and, you, and she's like you have a seen eye dog how did you get here and they they put that machine over your face, huh? And they go click, 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 click. Okay, tell me. One or two? One, two. One, two. After about four times, you go, I'm going with two, because I'm. So then they check that eye and they get it right, and you check the right eye and they put it in, and you go, wow, did someone turn on the lights in here? 
It, it's so bright. It's so clear. And I'm telling you, as I signed up for the glasses and I have had corrective eye surgery, and who would have thought it would have ran out when you got a little bit older, huh? But as I'm getting my eyes checked and, and I get the glasses ordered and all that, and I'm walking out the door, it hits me. What did I substitute saying that my eyesight wasn't more important? I didn't have time. I didn't have what money. The perspective of seeing right. And in this story, you can see that the people that were looking at Him didn't have truth. But our God had grace for them. The older you get, the more that you realize how much in areas that you knew was right that just isn't right. And you know how many things you've done that was not right and you realize the most important thing is I need grace in my life. You know what I mean? When you're 16, 17 and you're kind of like, I don't need anything. I'm all that in a bag of chips. But the older you get, the more you realize, God, I need your grace. And then you get into the Word of God and you realize the only way that you're going to get grace, or let me say the only way that you're not going to get grace, is if you don't give grace to somebody else. And, and there's something about that when you read that and you go, I don't like them, but boy, I'm going to forgive them. God, they're deceived. They don't realize that either that they see me as I was, but I'm not going to be like that anymore. I want you to understand this, that the long, hard walk is part of the gift in dealing with people. See, some people that you're around are going to see you as a rock star, man. You are all that, man. Look, at there they are again. And then there's going to be people that look at you like a toad. Oh no, don't touch him. You'll get warts. And, and we know that, that when, when we're immature, we think that life, we're the center of life, but the more that we mature, we realize that the only way to really feel and understand fulfillment in our life is to get in line with the purpose of God in our life. when we begin to realize that God's purpose for our life brings not only life, but abundant life to the full, to the overflow. And so many people will say, well, well Pastor, I, I really don't know the will of God. Let me ask you this. Do you know the Word of God? Because you can start with the things you don't even have to pray about. You know what that is? Walking in love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbors as yourself. See, some people don't even love themselves, so that's a sermon in itself. And I'm going to need some love up in here, so you better learn how to love yourself, okay? The Bible says that Jesus, before He went to the crucifixion, when He went to Jerusalem to be crucified, the Bible says in Luke, it says, Jesus gathered up His courage and stilled Himself for the journey to Jerusalem. Can I encourage you? Keep walking. It's part of the gift that God has given you in life. It's part of what you're going to value the most when you look back on your life. 
See, here's Jesus and he gets there and, and all the spears that are flying and the rocks that are flying, all the fiery darts that the enemy is throwing at him and he's got the shield of faith, which is what? A thick skin, but a soft heart. Can I tell you, if you're here today and you're doubting this sermon, again, let me tell you not John's opinion, but the Bible's word in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in His mouth. When they hurled their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. And I, I look at that and I think, here's all these people, the enemy on the outside that were just brutal. But you know what? It goes even deeper when you think about the people on the inside of his circle that begin to do the same thing. When, when I begin to look at this, really you start out with his own people, the Jewish people. And here's people that he's come for to give the good news and they turn him over to the Roman government to be crucified. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine the hurt that would have went on in our lives if the people around us would have done that? When you think about Peter, here's a guy that tells the other guys, I'm going to be the greatest pretty much, and there's a fight that goes on, and Peter goes, you know what, Jesus, I don't know about, I don't know about these other jokers, but they're going to run, but not me. But Jesus hears him deny that he even knows Jesus three times. Do you think that that's painful? What about someone in his inner circle named Judas? We, we look at him as the bad guy, but really he was one of the twelve that walked with Jesus. He was able to do everything that all the disciples, that he saw at first hand, the miracles. But he betrays him. And I just wonder if the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet and the spear in his side were nothing compared to the pain of the Stab in the back from his inner circle. And, and hear all this pain that's going on. All the pain from the people that he loved. And, and, but it says again, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He understood that the gift was part. The long walk was part of the gift. You know, we as a church, as the old commercial used to say we've come a long way baby when you look at the church and how we we were miles away in in an, in an older area and we we sold and relocated our church and we went from there to a a, a, a daycare to a school and then we bought this property, 10 and a half acres out here, and, and then we built this building and built that building, and we built those buildings, and everybody goes, woo! And we've changed lives, and we've seen move. But you know what? Come on now. It's just like if you only see the highlight reel, you think that the walk is a hop, skip, and a jump. Hey, have you guys, have you ever watched Sports Center, ESPN at night? And you'll see just the highlights of the game. You know, the quarterback drops back and throws a pass and the guy, you know, catches it like that and goes in and, hey, they won. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and they do the dance and everybody's like, wow. They're all, 
but nobody sees a highlight reel for hours of those linemen beating heads trying to move just a few yards. And it's the same thing in this church. If you go back and you begin to see all the things that God has brought us through, it's been a long, hard walk. I actually, as a young pastor, thought that we could sell the property that the church owned and we could be sitting in this building within a year. Did I say I was 26 years of age? That says a lot right there. It was hard. I, I remember that, you know, just the church was about 30 on a good Sunday. And, and I remember as we would we would have to set up every day the church in the school and take it down and just all the things that we had to go through. I remember going home and if there was anything that happened in our house, we didn't make much of a salary and we had four children and we'd come home and if something happened, the air condition broke or anything like that, we'd be like, because we just didn't have any money. There's something about going over to the savings account and pulling out 5000 But when you don't even have a savings account, it's all another story. And getting up every day and going through those hard times, that long walk. And some of you are there right now. And some of you are saying, I want to give up. I want to give up. And I want to encourage you, keep walking. Keep walking. It's part of the gift. When we found this land, again, after so many years, it's about five years, and we found this land, and I thought, Wah! we didn't even realize that there was probably 75% floodplain on it. But it was amazing how God, this piece of property where it was not had floodplain, is the only place that we could build immediately without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you were here, you realize that in doing that, it opened up op- uh, so many opportunities in ways that we could never see. Even though at this point they've not found oil or gas on our property, I'm still believing one day that's going to happen. We we had to relocate what you'll see is the creek out here. That didn't just naturally form on the northern boundary of our property. That cost somewhere around forty to forty-five thousand dollars. When we bought this land, we spent every dime that we had. We couldn't even afford the building, but the, the Assembly of God blessed us with a loan to be able to pay that off. We paid it off early. But in relocating this, the gas people showed up one day and said, we'd like to drill on your property. Here's $30,000. See, if we would have given up in the transition to buy this property, we would have never seen that miracle. We, we saw that come in and we dug the ditch and, and the, the developer across the street had a relationship with me that we had talked about and we kind of got excited about God. He goes, you know what, Pastor? I'm going to pay the $3,500 fee to the government just to dig that ditch. If we wouldn't have kept walking as a church, we would have never seen that. 
We've seen people come into our church and, and just, I mean, they've been blessed their whole life. It seems like a 180 degrees turn. And within months, they're leaving going, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Can I tell you that the long walk is part of the gift? We get to a place where we were able to buy or to build those two buildings. And let me tell you, as acting general contractor to save the church money, I've probably not had such a hard three years of my life as I had the last three years. Now you'd say, well, Pastor, I never knew that. Because one thing that I have become aware of hear me, is the gift that God gives us. There's a long walk that is adjoined to that. See, there's a lot of times where we see people and we, we admire people and they're our mentors or whatever, and we think that they just, you know, God just downloaded a bunch of wisdom into them. When we don't realize and we don't even value that the long, hard walk that they took to get to that place. It's made the gift worth so much more. Let me tell you this morning, you might be here and you might be on kind of a shallow relationship right now with your spouse. And you might be going through something that nobody else knows. Gentlemen, you might be hearing you say, you know, I just feel like my wife doesn't even know I exist half the time. She just comes and goes and says hi. And wives, you might be hearing, you might say, all he wants me for is sex. And he says he only wants to have sex on days that start with T. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday. And pastor, if it went for that, he wouldn't even care who I am. And you have been fighting over that. And you want to say, you know what? I can get another husband that will value me. I'll get another wife that thinks I'm all that. And let me tell you this morning that part of the, the gift of marriage is that long walk with one another. That you don't see eye to eye on everything. And sometimes you think she should see this. And sometimes he thinks you don't even understand me after these many years of marriage. Yeah, we got one wrong amen right there. But we all that are married realize that there's a 100% chance of conflict. It's just a fact when you live with somebody. But we allow that, that, that deception to slip into our minds and think nobody else is fighting in their marriage. Now you respond in my message. I hear you. Maybe there's been problems in your work associates where you're working. And you say, you know what? I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to quit. Maybe you have children and there's feeling of a rebellion because they're deceived. 
and you're thinking, they can't even understand how much I love them. I want the best for them. Maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe you think they don't really ever appreciate me. That I married their daughter or I married their son. Can, can I just tell you right now, keep walking. Can, can I tell you that sometimes when, when I, I think, you know, and, and I'm like everybody else, and if you're not careful, you start fanning that flame of that victimized, you know, oh, they're treating me, you know, and, and I make fun of it, but it's not funny, is it? Okay, if you've ever played the victim, that's 100% of us, get a piece of paper out, and here it is, right here. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, just consider and meditate on Him. Okay, what I've talked about today, meditate on Him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against Himself. Consider it in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Meditate on that. When you look at your wife and when you look at your husband and think, consider what Jesus... And, and you know what? Has anybody been killed yet for their long, hard walk? I, I, you wouldn't be in here, would you? That's what I love you. You guys are quick. Meditate on what Jesus has done for us. Today I want to encourage you. Keep walking. Keep walking. Now this morning I want to end with this verse. It says this in James chapter 1. It's probably one of the most aggravating verses when you want to give up. And they've already got it up there, so I'll just go with that. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters whenever you fall into various trials, when people are deceived about who you are, they're fickle. Verse 3, Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. It goes on to say that you'll lack nothing in your life. There's something about being completely developed in your faith and lacking nothing. Do you know that? That there's something about you then being an encourager instead of a victim. When you're going through the long hard walk that you realize is part of the gift. When you realize how hard it was to give the gift to you. Nobody can devalue it. This morning, there's people in a crowd like this that are hurting. They realize they have blisters on their feet, they have scrapes on their legs, they might even have stab backs, stabs in their backs. But it's all part of the gift that makes it so much worth it. This morning, I want to ask the worship team to come up. And if you would, just bow your heads for a few seconds, then we're going to stand and sing.
But if you'll bow your heads this morning, if you're in the place where you say, Pastor, it's been a long walk and I've had all these temptations of giving up. The one thing I want you to know, you're in a safe place because all of us have been there one time. Maybe you're there right now. But this morning, we want to do something more than just all agree that we know it's a hard, long walk. We want to join together in a prayer of agreement for you. I'm going to ask our prayer partners at this time to come up. And if you would just stand along the front. And we have several that are going to come up. And this morning, if you're going through something, you'd say, Pastor, I I need prayer. This is the time. That we don't let pride hinder us from agreeing in prayer with one another. We don't let somebody say, you know what, that doesn't work because we believe by faith that it works. And so as Lisa leads us in this song, listen to the words. He's a way maker. You say, Pastor, the walk is becoming too long. I don't even know if I can... God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll make a path where there seems to be no path. This morning, would you just stand with me? If everybody would just stand. And as we begin to sing this, I just want you to make your way, if you're in that situation, you make your way to the front and just say, I need prayer. I need I need." Hope again to come into my life. Would you do that? God, I can walk this walk. And especially knowing that You will be with me every step of the way. God, I can even walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because You're with me. God, thank You for the gift of life. Living by faith might not be easy, but it is so rewarding. It's exciting. Father, we say thank You today. Thank You, Jesus, for enduring the cross for us. God, we thank You as we leave this place now. Let us allow that excitement to dwell within us. That people might see. God, know that we are Your followers. Your believers. God, we are Your children. And we thank You for that. In Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming to the chapel today. You guys are dismissed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.